0: Hey folks, welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. As always, my name is Evan Smoke, your resident fire here on the podcast. A fourth year student coming down to my second to last semester here at the University of Georgia. And three hours southeast of me who just finished his last college class would be the local ice, Mr. Bryson Wheeler.
1: What's up? How are you doing? Pretty well, pretty well. Good. All right, well, let's talk some football. And this past week was rivalry weekend. You know, we talked about on the last podcast, we were like, Hopefully this will be the week that, you know, just shakes everything up. We know the playoff picture after this week Maybe you know, tons of upsets we were hoping for. And we got really close on a couple. I mean, Florida almost knocked off Florida State. Not that they were ever worried about losing, but Georgia Tech gave Georgia a run there at the end. Alabama almost lost. I mean, there were so many games that almost shaped the playoff picture, but nothing really quite happened major this past week. Well, let's get into a couple of games real quick that, you know, just solidified some teams for the playoff picture. And the first two that I want to talk about were Friday night's games. And we had Texas beating Texas Tech in a game that me and you both thought was going to be a pretty close game. Texas yeah. throttles them 57-7. to Quinn Ewers looked great. The whole Texas offense was great. Uh, they ran for – uh, who's the blue guy? was his first jay Jaden, blue ran for 121 and a touchdown and texas's offense was clicking on all cylinders their defense was great then on the other side oregon who is in many people's eyes the hottest team in the country right now they beat a really good oregon state team who now that we know did know that they were losing their coach already and did that you know affect the way that they played in that i don't know but Oregon wins thirty-one to seven. What are your thoughts on those two playoff teams? You know, solidifying their resume.
0: Yeah, I mean that's exactly how you want to enter conference championship weekend on a high note, especially really hot like that. Texas now gets a date with Oklahoma State at Arlington. Oregon gets a rematch with Washington out in the desert in Las Vegas, and both of these teams are going to be riding really high into these games. Um, they're they're both heavy favorites in these games, and we'll we'll talk about them later. But. I think that they're all firing on the right cylinders, and it's, you know, football's a little bit different than baseball, but always when you get to the postseason, you want to be as hot as you can, and, and we've seen it a lot more in baseball, but if these teams get a chance at the top four, they're going to be able to make some noise.
1: Absolutely. All right, well, let's get into the biggest game of the weekend. It is referred to as the game, so, I mean, it has to be the biggest. Michigan and Ohio State, it was a really, really fun game to watch back and forth. Michigan ends up pulling this one out by six. Ohio State did have that last drive real quick right there to try to make a statement and win the game, but Kyle McCord struggles once again. He threw two very costly interceptions in this game as the Michigan defense was just way too much for this Ohio State team. J.J. McCarthy once again looked a little lackluster, didn't turn the ball over, but didn't do anything flashy. Blake Corum was really good, though, had 88 yards and two touchdowns on on the ground now they get Iowa this week they're 23 and a half point favorite I think it is we all expect them to win and make it to the playoffs but what are your thoughts on this game
0: yeah I mean Michigan handled business and and you talked about it being back and forth but Ohio State never had a lead Michigan kind of slowly controlled the game it was very methodical it wasn't any type of dominance but they seem to be the better team day in and day out Um, you know you, you look at Ryan Day and it He's going to bring up a lot of conversation in the media, and it already has. You know, he's 1-3 and three now in this game. Does his straight losses, uh, his conservative play calling, especially in the first half, is that going to cause disruption? And some people thought he might leave Ohio State on his own free will and take the A M job. Obviously, we know that's not going to happen now, and we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show as well. But I, there's nothing against Ryan Day. I mean, he's 56. What is he? Fifty-six and seven against in his four years, or something similar to that. And yeah. the six losses are in the playoffs, and the other loss is Oregon. So I mean, he's very competitive. The problem is he just he hasn't been able to beat uh, this Michigan Tiger that's that's developed in the Big Ten. And obviously, we'll, we'll look to next year. But it's it's a very real possibility that these Ohio State fans are not going to be happy for another three hundred and sixty days at this point until they can beat that team up north.
1: Yeah, and Ryan Day's a great coach, and people lose the side of that because he hadn't been able to beat Harbaugh. But Harbaugh could not beat Ohio State when he first went to Michigan, and now see what he's doing. Sometimes coaches just need a little bit more time. Ryan Day, I get it. You know, he came in with all this talent and all that, but I think he's a really good coach. He's a great recruiter. I think he's the guy at Ohio State, and I think he is going to finally get over the hump in the next couple years. Just give him a little more time. I think he's going to do wonders there at Ohio State. Let's get into the greatest game of the weekend, though, in my opinion. It was one of the best games I've watched all year, if not the best. Alabama and Auburn, the Iron Bowl. and Jalen Milrow put on another show, threw for 259 and two touchdowns, ran for 107 on the ground as well. And, you know – we keep talking about Melrose week after week and how he's improving the job that Tommy Reese and Nick Saban have done with him, and it's just amazing. And the throw that he made to beat Auburn in the final seconds right try- there on the fourth and 31 play, everybody's talking about, oh, it was luck and this and that, and they shouldn't even be in that position. And maybe you're right. But that was the best throw I've seen Jalen Melrose make all year. One of the best throws I've seen any quarterback make all year to Isaiah Bond in the back corner of the end zone. That throw is so much harder than people think. And I put a lot of blame on Auburn for only rushing two in this situation and then having a QB spy. What's good for a QB spy on fourth and thirty-one at the thirty one yard line? Milrose not running for a thirty-one yard touchdown there. But Alabama survives. They keep, you know, their playoff hopes alive, get a big test with Georgia this week. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the Iron Bowl obviously in Jordan here has all of these chapters and stories, and we saw another one this past Saturday. But I think the biggest takeaway from this game is just the resiliency that Alabama showed. I mean, they get gifted the muffed punt by Auburn, and Auburn had played a pretty decent game up until that point. But the last two, three, four minutes, you know, they kind of came back down to earth, regressed to the mean, as some people would say. And, you know, they muffed the punt, they're inside the 10, and then you get the bad snap. You get the second penalty of the day where Jalen Milroe is across the line, throws an illegal forward pass, and you end up in fourth and 31. And what do you do after rushing him all day? You only rush two and set a spy. It's a very bad call by the Auburn defense. And I think everyone, even them, knows nine out of 10 times. Um, if they do that, the end result might be similar, but they would never do it again in this situation. But it was an amazing throw by Milrow. There is nothing I could say negative about his play. Saturday, other than the illegal forward pass, he needs to have a little bit of more awareness. But he's progressed so well, especially since that Texas and been getting benched versus South Florida. He has just improved week in and week out. And he is not a Heisman contender like he, like he proclaimed himself to be in during the post game. But he has made himself into the conversation. And if he comes back, he's going to be one of the favorites to win it in 24. Um, just a really great play, a stroke of luck in, in the sense of that Auburn chose to run that. But the play itself was probably one of the better plays we've seen all year. Hats off to Saban and them. They escaped Jordan and, Like you said, they get a great date, a potential – I mean, let's call it how it is. its is. We're probably looking at it at like an 80%, 85% playoff quarterfinal game.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, we'll talk about the game in a minute. But in my eyes, it is the national championship game. I, I agree as well. It's going to win I it agree all. as well. All right, let's move on to some coaching changes, though. We have plenty – Around college football this past week. We're going to highlight a few, though. And let's go to the SEC real quick where uh, Arnett gets fired at Mississippi State and is replaced by Jeff Levy, who was Oklahoma's offense coordinator, was Ole Misses before that. Really great offensive of mind. Hopefully, going to revamp that offense to maybe, you know, the Mike Leach levels, the Dan Mullen levels that we've seen at Mississippi State the last few years that we did not see this past year. <coughs> Sorry. And Jimbo Fisher gets a huge payday as he gets fired and is replaced by Mike Elko. Elko was the defense coordinator there for a long time. He went to Duke to take the head coaching job. Duke had a great turnaround season this past year. They had injuries to Riley Leonard that, you know, made them lose a few more games than they should have. If Leonard stays healthy, they're a 10-2, and 11-1 team this year. Elko did wonders there coming back to Texas A&M. I think he's a good replacement. I don't think he's an amazing one. I think he is better than Mark Stoops, though. Who they, I don't know if they hired him, almost hired him. Whatever the reports were that night, it was late. They come out saying that they hired Stoops. The fan base seemed to revolt against it. They end up going with Elko, which I think was the better hire. But what are your two thoughts? What are your thoughts on those two hirings?
0: Yeah, starting back at Mississippi State, I think Jeff Levy is a great hire. Jeff Levy has spent time under Josh Heupel, who's now at Tennessee. Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Now Brent Venables at Oklahoma. He's been proven to create amazing offenses wherever he goes. He now gets a chance at a head job. Jeff Levy's big thing is going to be two things: getting recruits to stay in state of Mississippi to come play in his offense, and hiring a great defensive coordinator to run the other side of the ball. And if he could do those two things, Mississippi State can, you know, return to some competitiveness. Even maybe make a run like they did in 2014 in the first year of the playoffs. Um, people forget that Mississippi State was the number one team in the country for three straight weeks, <laughs> and yeah. it, that's that's insane to remember. But it happened, and yeah. you know, moving past all of that, I think Elko was is a great choice for A and M. He gets to come home. He knows the program. He's going to keep Elijah Robinson. It sounds like who's been the interim head coach that everyone really likes. I think it's going to be a great situation down there in College Station. As for the Mark Stoops saga. It, it reminds me a lot of the Greg Schiano to Tennessee that happened a couple years ago when they hired Jeremy Pruitt, um, very explosive and negative reaction from the fans led to uh, some sort of recension of contract or no official signing or however you want to do it. But I, I genuinely believe Mark Stoops was going to be the guy in college station. And because of the fan backlash, that, that deal was kiboshed.
1: Well, yeah, I've heard, uh Adam Schefter talk about this on the Pat McAfee show that we are watching right now. But he said, you know, NFL teams, their higher-ups sometimes will text Schefter and be like, hey, report this. It's not 100% set in stone yet. They just kind of want to see what the fan base is going to think about it. And so when you've got a coaching hire like that or something, maybe a potential trade or a signing, sometimes teams will – send out something like that just so they can see what the fan base thinks about. And the fan base clearly did not like it. I don't blame them. I think it was a good, I think it was a high floor hire, but I think it was a low ceiling hire. I don't think he would have done any better job than what Jimbo was doing there the last few years. But let's move on from that. And let's talk about a coaching hire. I think that me and you both will love. It's Jonathan Smith to Michigan State, Oregon State's coach who did a phenomenal job there. The past few years, they've been a great team, and Oregon State's never been a football powerhouse. Turned them into one the last few years. He's now going to Michigan State, and I think people need to give this higher time, though. Michigan State is in absolute shambles. Mel Tucker left it a dumpster fire, and it's going to take many years for Jonathan Smith to turn around this program, but I absolutely – think he is the guy that can do it what are your thoughts on it though
0: yeah I, I love the Jonathan Smith hire from a Michigan State perspective I mean with the Big Ten expanding to the West Coast he is a great guy to know the Pacific Northwest he played at Oregon State coached at Oregon State made them good he's going to be able to tap in recruits there he's shown that he can turn a program around um, he's going to be able to do that in East Lansing I think like you said this program is very defle- depleted right now it's going to take time give him a couple years before you start uh, calling him out, but with all of that being said, I think we need to pour one out for Oregon State because Oregon State gets completely screwed in this scenario, and it's and I understand why Smith did it. Um, I just I just want to say this off the top. You know, Oregon State a year ago looks like they're heading in the right direction. They've got a great chance to compete for a Pac-12 title this year, and they and they definitely did. But you know, in a course of what ten months, they lose their conference. They're now regulated to practically the Mountain West. Their, you know, prodigal son who came back and resurrected the program had spent the latter half of the season, it seems like, in talks with Michigan State. Practically, it was announced before the Oregon game. I mean, Oregon trolled them by playing the Michigan State game on the scoreboard. Um, and now they're gone. Now they've, they have gone back and hired defensive coordinator Trent Bray, who worked under Jonathan Smith to be the head coach. Trent Bray, like Jonathan Smith, is an alumnus of Corvallis. So I think it's a good hire. I think Oregon State's going to be in the right direction. But you just you just got to feel bad for the Beavers who've been gut-punched over and over the last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the last coaching hire that I want to talk about is Fran Brown, Georgia's defensive back coach, going to Syracuse to be the head coach. And this is a guy I don't know much about. He's been at Georgia the last two years, was at Rutgers, Temple, Baylor, and some other schools like that before that. What are your thoughts on this hire?
0: So Fran Brown, above anything, is probably – if not number one, he's probably the number two recruiter for the University of Georgia. He is one of the guys that we send out into the field to convince people to come and play for the G, and he's been very, very good at it, as you can tell. The one thing that I'm I under that I'm a little hesitant about is not that he's making the jump from defensive backs coach to head coach, because I think he has the wherewithal. I mean, Fran Brown will now be the fifth person since Kirby came um, to Georgia in 2016. Um, to be hired as a head coach off the staff, Um, so it's not surprising, but with all of that being said, Fran Brown was hired because of his New Jersey connections, and and there's nothing wrong with New Jersey, but Syracuse is across the state in New York. I mean, we're talking six, seven hours from New Jersey at that point, so I'm interested to see if that, you know, connection in the the Garden State's really going to turn into something for upper New York.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, like I said, great recruiter, though. Maybe he can get some talent in there quickly and change things around. That's all I have from this past week. Let's get into the games from this week. It's championship weekend. All the conference championship games are being played this week, and let's kick it off with a fun one Friday night, 8 o'clock kickoff. Oregon and Washington, we've already seen this game. It was a three-point win by Washington. Oregon, though, is a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I do not like this line. I can understand Oregon being favored. They're playing some really good football, and it's really, really hard to beat a team twice in a year. But this Washington team just keeps getting disrespected. I get it. They keep playing close game after close game after close game. This is a Washington team who has already beat Oregon. They've already proved they can beat them. And this is an Oregon team that, while they are hot, they only have one ranked win on the year, and they've only faced one top 50 all, uh, defense on the year. This is an Oregon state or an Oregon team that's playing good, but they have not beaten a really good team this year yet. People just see them beating the Arizona states by 50. the UCLAs by 30? And they're just like, oh, this team's great. Well, they hadn't really beat a great team yet. I do think this is the time that they step up. I do think they get the win. I do not think they cover the nine and a half, though. Give me Oregon by three.
0: Okay, so
1: I love patterns, and we
0: both know that, and some patterns that I want to bring to you in this game. First off, Washington winning by three at home is practically a pick on a neutral site. We know how odds work. But, But think back to that game. I understand that Washington won that game. But did you – when you finished watching that game, did you think Washington was the better team when you, when you finished watching that game? I thought Oregon played well enough that day to win the football game. I thought they, yeah. they were the better team it on that team. So with that being said, and you talk about it's hard to beat a team twice, if we're – in my assumption, I think Oregon played well enough to win that game, Washington can now go back and adjust. You talk about it's hard to beat a team twice. In the Pac-12 championship, when teams have met prior before, they've played eight times. What is the record of that? Of the, of what is the record for the team who won in the regular season? Do you know it off the top of your head?
1: I do not. I'm going to take a wild shot and say six and two.
0: It's seven and one. So seven of the last seven times, the last eight times, that the regular season victor played in the Pac-12 championship against a team they beat in the regular season, they won it again. Now, I just made the whole argument that I think Oregon won the game. So, with all of that being said, I think Washington's been continuously disrespected. The the one top twenty five win that Oregon has is a win against Oregon State when their program has been absolutely gutted with the news that their coach is leaving. What an hour before kickoff, it seemed like that that got leaked. I mean, the players in the locker room knew about it. You could see um, it in their faces. So, but all that and being their serious, interim
1: head coach led them out of the locker room.
0: Correct. Correct. With all of that being said, I think. I think Oregon's going to find a way. They're going to be really competitive. I think it's going to be a great game. Give me the Huskies in the desert, though. Close game. I'll take the Huskies by three. They'll punch their second ticket to the college football Playoff.
1: Hey, I'm just glad somebody's finally giving them respect because I love this Washington team. I don't think they can win at all, but I think they deserve respect. Being here 12-0, and 0, already beating a really good Oregon football team. They have a lot of great wins on the year. Props to what Phoenix has done there, DeBoer. All the guys out there, Odunze, they're, they're a really good, talented team. Let's move on to the Big 12 championship, though. Oklahoma State and Texas. Texas is a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. They are playing some really good football, but I think that line is just a hair high. Give me Texas by 14 in this one.
0: Yeah, I think Texas will win this game, but I never, tr- I, I never want to count out Mike Gundy and the Cowboys. They just seem like one of those scrappy teams that make it close. I think it might be a little bit closer. Oklahoma State has an early lead. Give me Texas in the 10-13 to range.
1: All right, let's move on to the SEC Championship. Four o'clock kickoff, Georgia-Alabama. Georgia is a six-point favorite. I think this has the chance to be a really, really, really good game, one of the classics we've seen ever in the SEC Championship. I think it is the national championship, though. We mentioned that earlier. This is, in my opinion, the top two teams in the country. I get that 99% chance one of them is going to be left out of the playoffs, and there's probably a 30% chance that both of them get left out of the playoffs. And that's just I, – I can't imagine a world that we get neither of them in, but it is a world that very well could happen, and we'll get into some, some scenarios in a minute. But – These are the top two teams in the country, in my opinion. You've got on one side Jalen Milrow, Nick Saban, who are you know playing the best football they've played all year up to this point. And then Georgia, on the other hand, they just keep throttling opponents. And they did have a little bit of a closer game against Georgia Tech this past week, but they were missing a lot of playmakers on offense. It has all the shaping to be one of the best games that we've seen all year. But this Georgia team – I think is just too talented. I mentioned it about 8 weeks ago. I said no one in the country could beat them. I changed my mind 2 weeks later. I said I think Alabama might would have a shot and I do think they have a shot. But I think this Georgia team's too good. I think Carson Beck's going to play great. Alabama's got to find a way, though, to run outside the tackles, let Milroe use his legs, and then use that to play off the deep passes to Burton and Kendrick Law and Isaiah Bond that we saw against Auburn and stuff like that. Georgia, on the other hand, they've got to look to run the ball. I think this past week they did a great job running the ball against Georgia Tech. I think they need to do the same thing against this Alabama defense. That is susceptible to the run game. Now, Alabama's secondary, on the other hand, is one of, if not the best, in the country. I love Terryon Arnold, who I think is the best cornerback in the country. Kool-Aid back there. Caleb Downs, that safety. True freshman who's playing. He's probably acting like the best true freshman in college football this year. But I think Georgia's too good. I'm going to pick Georgia in this one. Give me a late touchdown for them to pull ahead by 13.
0: So I'm, I'm kind of there with you. I, I think this is going to be an amazing game. I think Georgia is going to have all of their hands full. But the, the two reasons I'm going to lean the dogs other than my bias, um, but in rooted in fact, is, is I think Georgia is going to be able to run the ball, and I think that's going to be able to open up. And while at the same time that Georgia has allowed the least amount of explosive plays in the SEC, you talk about the Alabama secondary, and I think they're really good. But this Georgia secondary has proved if they're not one, they're one B. I mean, they've been amazing back there with Starks, Bullard, Tyke Smith, Kamari Lassiter. And now Dalen Everest and Julian Humphrey at the cornerback two position has been shaky. And that's what worries me. And I think that's going to become the key point for this Alabama offense. They're going to have to step up. They're going to have to be locked down. But Kendall Milton is playing better than any running back in the country, at least over the last couple of weeks, or maybe not the best. But he's been the hottest and he's been able to set career highs in those last two games. I think he's going to have a great day in Atlanta. I think Carson Beck, and we we talk about Carson Beck and we talk about the performance against Georgia Tech. Georgia was missing four offensive starters plus our best linebacker and three of them being pass catchers on the offensive side, and we threw the ball 33% less than we normally do over the first 11 games. It's the first game all year that Carson Beck has gone under 250 yards. He threw for 175. Um, He had the weird interception, um, but there was a lot of things of that Georgia Tech game Similar to, like, I think Alabama wanted to play the Auburn game, it felt very much like a let's get in, don't get hurt, and get out type of game. Get ready for Atlanta next weekend when we play Alabama. And I think Alabama tried to do the th- same thing in Auburn but had a little bit too much on their plate. All of that being said, I, I put a score in earlier. I think it's going to be 33-24. I think it's going to be 30-24 to late in the game. Georgia's going to kick a field goal to go up 33-24 to to kind of put it away.
1: All right. Let's move on to the AAC championship. We have SMU and Tulane. I picked against Tulane this past week and it burned me, so I'm gonna go with them. They're a three and a half point favorite. Give me them to win by a touchdown in this one.
0: I really like it, but I think Rhett Lashley and the Mustangs have been too hot. This Tulane team has not impressed me much this year. I think they're a very talented team. They've flown under the radar a lot. I mean, their only loss is um you know, two Old Miss at home, with, you know, that was a very close game throughout the day. I, I like this lane team. I love what Willie Fritz has done down there, but I, I think Lashley and them are going to get a huge win, go into the ACC next year. Uh, as conference champs of the American, give me the ponies to win, barely, ponies by three.
1: All right, Big Ten Championship game. Michigan and Iowa, two very solid defenses, but Iowa does not have a pulse on offense. If they want any chance at scoring their defense, better do it this week. Michigan's a 21-and-a-half point favorite. It's gone down from 23-and-a-half. I think Michigan pitches a shutout this weekend and definitely scores that 22 points needed to cover. I think they win this game something around – 35 to nothing and cover that spread handily. What are your thoughts?
0: I really like that score. I'm going to go 34 to nothing. That's what I had. Um, But I I think it's going to be very similar. I think the shutout's right on the money. As much as I think this Iowa team's been a funny story throughout the year, they're really not competitive enough to play with some national championship contenders like I think Michigan can be. I'm going to give the Wolverines with a big cover.
1: All right. The ACC championship, Louisville and Florida State. Florida State is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. There without Jordan Travis, Tate Rodemaker is the starter. Tate did not look good against my Florida Gators this past week. They did get the win on the road in a hostile environment, but this Florida team is abysmal and Florida played better. They did not capitalize when they needed to. There were many times in the red zone we had to settle for field goals. We missed two field goals. We had a costly turnover down near the red zone. We it was just a very ugly game of finishing for Florida. We had plenty of yards on offense, had plenty of chances to score, just could not do the job. We were up 12 nothing early in this game, up 12-7 to and absolutely owning Florida State in total yards, uh, time of possession, all kinds of stuff. And we just couldn't finish the job. FSU, though, is still undefeated. They get Louisville, who just lost to a horrible Kentucky team as well. I the FSU I I don't see them as a playoff contender even though even if they win this, I do think they will get in if they win. I do not think they should. I don't think they're a top fifty team with Tate Rodemaker in there. If they get Georgia in the first round of the playoffs, it's gonna be worse than the TCU game was this past year. Florida State's horrendous without Jordan Travis. And I think that's gonna show this next weekend. I think Louisville's gonna beat them. I think they beat them by ten. But what's your pick?
0: Very interesting. So I, I would have took Louisville to play this game, but I, after what I saw at home versus Kentucky, I don't know if I can. And, and the reason I think Florida State will win this game is because I think the defense is going to put a lot of pressure on Jack Plummer. I don't think he's going to be able to really run the offense like he wants to. Jeff Brom's going to try to get, um, you know, what do they call it, performative to try to score some things, bring out some trick plays. I think Florida State's defense will keep him in the game. I think they'll simplify the game plan for Tate Rodemaker. Get the ball to Johnny Wilson. Get the ball to Keon Coleman. Close game. Florida State's going to win, though. Florida State by three.
1: All right, and the last one, Sun Belt Championship. App State versus Troy. Troy is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they win this and cover that spread. Give me Troy by ten.
0: Yeah, I, I love what John Summerall's done with the Trojans. They've been a great program. It stinks that James Madison is not in this game, but App State's representing the East, and they're going to fall because of it. Give me Troy. Um, to win this game.
1: All right. So with that being said, let's getting, get into a couple scenarios, but first we'll give our playoff predictions. I'll go with mine first. I think Georgia is going to win the SEC and be the number one seed. I am going to roll with Michigan as my number two. I'm going to go with Oregon being the three. And I'm going to roll with Texas being the four seed.
0: So that is what we would consider speculative chalk. I think. I think that's the I think that's what people want to see. I'm going to go on the other side as I'm going to go with a fully undefeated playoff. I'm going to go with Georgia one, Michigan two, Washington three, and Florida State four. And I, I agree with you. I don't think Florida State is the number or is a top four team in the country. They're probably not a top ten team in the country. But a 13-0 power five champion goes regardless of who's playing quarterback.
1: I don't like it, and I, I just really, really hope that Louisville beats them this next week. Because I mean, yes, as a Georgia fan, if y'all win, you want an easy matchup week one or the first round of the playoffs lot. but as a college football fan, no one wants to see Georgia win by 50 against FSU in the playoffs.
0: Well, absolutely, but if we go by two chalk, where the scenario would be Oregon beating Washington, you get Michigan and Florida State at two and three.
1: Uh, Nobody wants to watch that. (laughs) No one wants to see Florida State in the playoffs except Florida State fans and maybe ACC fans. That's it. But I want to get into a scenario. So let's say Alabama wins. Okay. Let's say Michigan wins. We'll go with Oregon winning for the sake of this argument. And Texas wins. So Did
0: Florida State wins.
1: Um.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, first off, what the in some form, and they might not be the two, but Michigan and Florida State are in as undefeated Power Five champions. Yes. In that scenario, I think Oregon gets left out, and this I, is my I think reason. they should. And I think this is my reasoning because I think Texas has the best resume of of them. And yeah. they beat Alabama. Alabama yeah. just would have beat the number one team in the country. And while Oregon has been ranked higher all season, Oregon has the worst resume. And they have the and I think they would have the worst. But the thing that's going to get crazy is Oregon would have avenged their only loss. Yes. And people love that. Yes. So I think in that scenario, there's a decent possibility that Texas gets left out. Or no, excuse me, not Texas, Alabama gets left out but it should be Oregon at the five.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and I agree with this. And, you know, the, the comparison needs to stop being who's going to get in, Alabama or Texas. It needs to be Alabama or Oregon. And let me just go over a few things real quick here. Alabama's strength of schedule, 31st. Texas is 13th. Oregon, 62. Alabama has three wins versus top 25 teams. Texas, two, but they have the big win over Alabama. And it would actually add another one to those with those wins in the uh, conference championships if they win. Oregon only has one up to this point. We get their second this weekend if they beat Washington. The resumes don't compare. Oregon's is way worse than either team's. I think Oregon needs to be left out in that situation.
0: The scenario that the SEC needs to be wary of is if it's Washington, Florida State, and Michigan all in, and it comes down to Alabama and Texas, Texas should go in over Alabama.
1: If we're going the most most deserving, yes. If we're going the best team, then no.
0: You can – okay, this is my opinion on this. And as much as I think Alabama would beat all four of those teams and win a national championship, if you say that Alabama gets in over Texas and they have similar resumes and they played head-to-head in Alabama's home stadium and Texas beat them, then there's no reason to play the regular season. There is zero reason to play the regular season.
1: Well, I do think this is one thing that this year in college football has shown. It's absolutely stupid to play a hard-out-of-conference schedule if you're a national championship contender. It helps you none. If you win, props to you. woohoo! Nobody really cares. If you lose, your season could be done. Look at Oregon playing nobody out of conference and, you know, sitting here well. At you, Michigan, they play nobody out of conference, sitting here well – You know, and then you've got teams like Alabama and Texas who play head-to-head, and now they will be in the same conference next year, but they're not right now, and Alabama's getting punished for playing a harder schedule. So it just shows don't schedule hard-out-of-conference games. Yep. But one more thing I want to get into in college football before we get into bold predictions, I want to talk about if the Heisman Trophy race was today, who would you pick to win it? And
0: who, I, who would I pick or who do I think?
1: Uh, let me just hear who would your vote be, and then I want you to th- say who you think is going to win it.
0: My vote would be Jaden Daniels. I think he had the best season, and I understand that his team had three losses, but so did Tim Tebow, so did Lamar Jackson, so did Robert Griffin III, and all three of those years they were the best players in college football. Jaden Daniels has been the most valuable to his team. He has been the best player in college football. He would He would get my vote.
1: He gets mine as well. Now, I think Monix wins the award. Even with a loss this weekend?
0: Um, no. If he wins, he wins it. If, he win, if they win, he wins it. If they lose, it's Daniels. I don't think Penix can win it.
1: Yeah, and I've got all the stats right here. Jaden Daniels is leading all three in rushing yards, total yards, passing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, total touchdowns, Yards per attempt rushing, yards per attempt passing, yards per play, quarterback rating, passing rating, plays of 20-plus yards, points responsible for. I mean, the list goes on and on. I'll stop right there. But Jaden Daniels leads in practically every stat. He should win it. I do think, though, Oregon is going to win this week. I think Bo Nix is going to win the award. Not that I disagree with the pick that much. I think Bo Nix is very well deserving. I just think Daniel's resume is a little bit better than his.
0: Here I think is going to be a little bit more point of contention. Who is the fourth person in New York? Is it Marvin Harrison or is it Carson
1: Beck? Let, I would love to see what Beck does this week. If Bama wins, I think it is Marvin Harrison Jr. If Georgia wins, but Beck, you know, has a lackluster performance. I still think it's Marvin Harrison Jr. If Carson Beck goes and throws for 350 and four touchdowns, though, and beats Alabama, I think it's him. I think it really, really depends on what Beck does. As of now, I think Marvin Harrison has the upper hand, but, you know, the voters look at it mightily, what people do this week. And Marvin Harrison Jr. Is sitting at home, and Carson Beck has a chance to – beat a really good football team. So I think that's what it depends on.
0: And, and I'd like to clarify, as much as I think Beck has been a great quarterback, and I think he has been Heisman caliber, not Heisman winning caliber, but I don't think this is a biased pick. I think Beck would be more worthy of being in New York than Stetson Bennett last year. Um, and I think nobody would really disagree with me on that. And, you know, I hate to speak ill of, you know, Stetson Bennett who brought me two national championships. Beck's been having a better season than Stetson had in two years.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. But what do you think about Marvin Harrison Jr. and Beck? You think Beck should go?
0: Do I? I, I do. I do think Beck should go. And, and the reason I say that is because Marvin Harrison has been amazing, but his statistically has not been. And I mean, Roma do say Troy Franklin and some other people across the country have had better statistical seasons. Marvin Harrison, if we're using the Devontae Smith method, and that's kind of the last time we've seen a modern wide receiver win it, he is nowhere close near it. He might deserve an invite. And if Beck goes and, you know, craps the bed this weekend, I am completely okay with Marvin Harrison being that fourth person in New York. But if Beck goes and throws for 300 yards this weekend with, you know, three, four touchdowns and doesn't give the ball away and we win the game, I don't see how you can leave him at home.
1: Yeah. And I'm looking at Marvin Harrison's stats right now. He does have over 1,200 yards this year and 14 touchdowns, which is really good. What pops out to me is his 18.1 yards per reception. Last year he was at 16.4, and the year before 12.6. So I think it's more of a Kyle McCord has not been getting him the ball enough. Oh, absolutely.
0: I mean, Kyle McCord is the reason that Ohio State is not elite, and we all know it. Yeah.
1: Well, all right. Do you have anything else than that before we get to our bowl predictions?
0: I think we should. I think it's very interesting that we get probably one of the better group of five conference championship games on Friday that we didn't get to talk about. I and mean, we get Liberty, who's 12-0 and, and with a loss to Tulane, would probably take the group of five spot in the New Year's Six, versus New Mexico State, who just went into Auburn two weeks ago and beat them by 21 for them a week later to play with the number eight team in the country. So a really competitive game Friday night. It's going to be in Lynchburg, Virginia at Liberty's home stadium. And a win Friday night and a loss um, by Tulane on Saturday puts Jamie Chadwell in the flames one year after losing Hugh Freeze in a New Year's Six Bowl.
1: Yeah, Chadwell deserves a really high job in the next few years. He's done a great job at multiple programs, and I think a big job's coming his way very soon. I agree. All right, let's get into our bold predictions, and I'll go to the Florida State-Louisville game. I, I got to watch Florida State this past weekend, and I, I can't tell you how – far away they are from a top four football team this (laughs) i mean it was against my florida gators who are a horrendous football team and we've already made tons of changes tons more changes are coming but i don't think this florida state football team is any good now this is a louisville team i have hated on all year but i think louisville manhandles them in this game i did predict that I predicted Louisville to win by 10. I'll up that number just for a bold prediction to 14, but I'll say the game is played not even that close. Like, when you watch this football game, it's going to be a game that Louisville owns from beginning to end, and you would have thought it was a 30-point game. I think it is going to go down to 15, though, but I think Louisville absolutely owns this game.
0: Interesting. I'm going to go to the national championship, a.k.a. the SEC championship, and – I think the reason Georgia can win this game, win this game comfortably, is going to be pressure on Jalen Milroe. And I think Jalen Milroe has proven that he's, he likes to throw the ball long, but I think our secondary, especially our safeties, Tyke Smith, Bullard, Malachi Starks, have been elite this year. Between the pass rush and the interceptions that I think he'll throw, I'm going to call Jalen Milrow for three turnovers on Saturday, probably two interceptions and a fumble. Maybe he does, Maybe he regains the fumble and doesn't lose it, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Alabama quarterback this week. And I think that's going to be the key to the game to win it.
1: If Georgia forces three turnovers, I think they win this game by thirty. Hey,
0: I would love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it's that far from reality. I think, I, I think this Georgia team has kind of showed two different selves. They've showed the one that against Ole Miss and Tennessee and uh, Kentucky, Kentucky that has been really, 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 really good and showed. You know, glimpses of the past two years' teams. But then we see games such as the South Carolina game, the Georgia Tech game this past week, and the Missouri game where they look beatable. And it's really just going to depend on which one shows up. If that one shows up, Alabama may win this game. They could win by 10-plus. But if the other Georgia shows up, Georgia can win this by 30 or 40.
0: I would also really, really, really like to stop going down 7 nothing. I would, I would just really love to stop doing it.
1: Yeah, it seems to be a weekly occurrence for Georgia. But all right, do you have any last words before we wrap it up?
0: I do not. I'm excited for a good weekend of football.
1: Absolutely. Go Braves, go Hawks, and go Falcons.